Welcome to the Legal Marketing Studio, a podcast devoted to examining successful marketing strategies driving new business development at law firms from the largest international firm to the solo attorney. The podcast is a production of Picture More Business, a corporate photography studio with a core focus on the legal industry. I'm Michael Meyer, the host of the Legal Marketing Studio. In this episode, I'll be turning hosting duties over to Carol Shiro Greenwald, who's a consultant at Marketing Partners and the author of Strategic Networking for Introverts, Extroverts, and Everyone in Between. Her guest is Roger Barton, managing partner of Barton LLP. Carol, Roger, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Roger, let's just set the stage by giving a definition of what you think effective networking is. I guess fundamentally it's, it's making connections, making meaningful connections. Um, and the question in terms of meaningful is what's important for the person who's engaging in a networking activity? What do you, what do you want out of it? What do you want your network to look like? How can a network help you? That's the basics. Where do you focus most of your time and energy? Uh, I have 10 jobs. <laughs> I still be talking about in terms of networking. I mean, managing my firm is, is quite a, a time uh, devotion as well. You know, it's, it's evolved over the years, Carol. The you know, networking I did, um, sort of coming out of school and not knowing a lot of people and trying to get professional you know, connections uh, were done more in groups. Um, I was not necessarily as good as I should have been about using the network of my classmates and you know, so forth. I think that was not emphasized back in the day. Um, and now it's evolved more into, you know, board memberships, um, things that, you know, I think are what I would call at a higher level, a more strategic level. But I think that's what happens with a lot of people. They start in the BNIs of the world and then they grow up and they, they begin to have less time and more focus. So, so I think what you do is exactly what people really should do. Which gets me to my next question, which is, who do you want to meet these days? I guess in, in many ways, it's a broader segment of folks than it used to be. You know, I used to say to people in, in network groups and so forth, like, just introduce me to your most influential friend. <laughs> I love that. And, and you know, it's, it's less about, you know, I, I'm looking to meet a general counsel at ABC Company. I mean, of course, that's a specific ask. Uh, that's something you can do once you have a network and, and that network could lead you to that person. But if you're just generally looking to meet people, I think, you know, I'd like to meet interesting, influential people who are, are there for purposes other than just to see what they can get from you. Roger, if I could jump in there. I just have to clarify that. Does it matter what group you're in at the time, how specific or how general that who you want to meet is? I think, you know, if you're looking at a, joining a group, like Carol mentioned BNI or, or any of those types of groups, you know, those are tend to be populated with service providers who are in the sales level. Um, they don't necessarily have, for my world, the ability to direct the purchase of legal services. So, you know, yes, those folks could be a resource for me and my clients, but they're not necessarily, you know, the type of group I'd be looking to interact with for that reason. Now, I think it's, it's important, you know, join a group or, or be part of, it, of an organization that follows an interest that you have. I belong to a lot of managing partner groups. And, you know, these are managing partners from law firms across the country and in some instances across the world. 
I get great information from those folks. Um, Are they like peer groups, Roger? It, it's it's a peer group. I mean, it's you know, particularly now that, it's, for example, in the pandemic, those were excellent, excellent resources. You know, n none of us have faced this. You know, I went to law school because I couldn't do math. So if I could do math, maybe I would go to business school. That's why I went to Smith. I didn't have to take math. <laughs> right. Exactly. I mean, so you know, I, I wasn't trained as a business person, uh, and now I'm running a firm. You have know, a sixty you know, people in the firm and all of a sudden you've got a, a complete lockdown and, and your world is upside down and, and you know, how to manage that. And, and it's great to have a network in that sense of peers that you can compare not only best practices, but, you know, share um, some of the troubles that everybody's having and, and what is everyone doing and just get information. So, you know, yes, those in contacts do also result in referrals of business. But for me, it's, it's not just about what business I can get. It's, it's what learning I can get and what value I can bring back to my organization. So did you have uh, formal kinds of scheduled meetings with them or was it just call somebody because today's crisis was really a crisis? Um, there, was, there were two of these groups that had regular weekly uh, meetings and they were you know, fantastic. And I think a lot of it was therapy. A lot of it was just, you know, uh, exchanging of, of these types of challenges. Um, and then there are listservs that, you know, supplement that throughout the, the time period. It, it tapered off. I mean, it's, you know, as people got comfortable, you know, less people were showing up to them. That we started to do them biweekly, you know, that type of thing. But at the beginning, you know, it was all hands on deck. And then there were a lot of sort of side conversations uh, that were had. There's... There's two law firms about our size, even in our office building. And I was, you know, we were communicating with, with those magic partners just, you know, in a very targeted way. What, what are you doing at the building? Are you bringing people back? Are you not? Uh, so forth and so on. How did you decide to join BAB? BAB is British American Business, uh, which is the largest transatlantic trade organization that focuses on companies that are doing business both in the U.S. and in the U.K., when I left Sidley Austin to form my own firm, a number of my early clients were international clients. And I just got involved in the ecosystem of New York City's groups, if you will, uh, that focused on international business. And through that, I got introduced to BAB. And we've been members probably 15 plus years. So it's, it's been a great organization. And that's, I think, an example of a very high level of networking that one can do. And then also to clarify, this is one aspect of your bio that I did not, you know, that we didn't include, but you're, you're on the board there, correct? And you're also the chair of a, a particular um, committee, is it, I guess, Accelerate? Right, right. I'm, I'm on, the, on the board of British American Business, which as you can imagine, British American Business tends to draw a lot of the large corporates, you know, the multinationals, uh, Fortune 500 level of companies, but there's also you know, a focus on the SMEs, the small to you know, mid market enterprises, and so I'm on the board, you know, in a sense representing that community of folks, uh, which you know, as we all know, statistically that's where more business gets done than at the large corporate level, um, at least by numbers of companies and so forth. So I'm on the board, but we also formed a committee, a program, or whatever you want to call it, um, 
that we call Accelerate. Uh, and Accelerate is, is sort of the entrepreneur's club of the British American business. Um, <laughs> it's, it started out, you know, pretty much with that was the idea. Uh, the concept was let's have dinner, you know, four to six times a year. Um, it actually ended up being more like eight times a year. Uh, bring in an interesting speaker and, you know, keep it to 50 of your closest friends. And it's, it was, it's been great. I mean, we haven't had dinners lately, but, you know, we've had, you know, some great entrepreneurs, companies that have gone, you know, from nothing to, to IPOs, from nothing to selling uh, for a billion dollars. Um, and having those, you know, entrepreneurs come in and tell their story. So it's great. It's, and it's another example of, you know, how do you network? So in that room, there are, you know, 50 business owners, folks who are in private equity, folks who are in venture capital, uh, people who are, you know, thinking of starting their next venture. That's a, that's a fun room to be in. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet it is, especially now, you know. Well, now the room is, you know, by Zoom, <laughs> but that's all right. Is it still meeting? Uh, in fact, it's meeting later today. We're having a uh, cocktail hour and we're actually have more people attending those via Zoom than we did in person. Oh, sure. No travel time. Yeah. Uh, no stopping work. It's much easier. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, that's the plus side of Zoom, isn't it? It is. Yeah. That's maybe the only plus side. <laughs> yes. When you meet people, what do you want them to know about you? Uh, I don't really think of it in that way. Um, you know, it used to be, give me your elevator speech, you know, throw them up against the wall and, you know, make sure they hire you, right? I'm more interested to know about them, quite frankly. You know, it's, I think, you know, there's a ask to tell ratio that's kind of important to think about. Um, you know, you want to learn about who it is you're talking to and then you can calibrate, you know, what it is you might want them to know about you. That, that person may be in a, in a completely different industry and in no way would they ever be able to refer work to us. So I'm not going to all of a sudden start asking if I can represent their business when, you know, they don't have a business or a position that, that makes sense. Um, I'd rather learn who they are as a person and what interests them and maybe where there's some connections in our lives that, that we could use to, as a conversation starter. When you introduce yourself, do people ask you as their second question because they, ha they haven't learned networking, what do you do? Yeah, invariably, there's the, the what do you do question. Um, What's your what do you do answer? It depends on who I'm talking to. And that's, that's part of the reason why, you know, I'd like to get more information out of them first. Um, because if I know what they do, then I can calibrate, you know, what is it that I do? Um, if I have no idea what they do, it's just, you know, I, I will say that, you know, I lead an innovative law firm uh, that, that practices business law. And I'll tell them that most days are a lot of fun. But that's, that's good because that's different than what most people would say. Yeah, most people would say I'm a lawyer, which... It, right. You know, oh, please. New York City, that's like saying you have a belly button. Yeah, that's crazy. I know we talked about you've built your firm from a handful of people to 60 people. How has networking played into that? Wow, so many different ways. I guess if I had to take sort of two broad categories, I would put it in the category of resources and work. Um, in terms of work, I guess that's obvious. You know, you network to get work from clients. And that can be directly with the potential client, but more often than not, it's, it's through a referral source 
such an accountant, a banker, investment banker, and so forth. Um, but resources is really something I think that, you know, if you particularly, I don't know if it's just for a service business or really any business, but I think having access to best of breed resources is really critical. And that includes, you know, knowledge. So if I'm looking for best practices or I'm looking for the best IT or if I'm looking for the best uh, banking relationship or I can help a client in some way with a resource, that's really critical. So I think it's, you know, it's work and it's resources. And what about also building out the humans, finding the um, caliber of lawyer that you're looking for in the area that you're looking for? How do you use your network to, I would say, vet them, or don't you? It's, you know, that's a third category, now that you mention it, is, you know, having, because we've been built, we've built the firm, as you, as you can just imagine, if you start with a few and you're up to 60, uh, by hiring people into the firm. In our world, it's called lateral hires, lateral partners, but I don't like the term lateral because I want them to think it's a move up. Um, so we look for forward movers. <laughs> um, but, you know, so it's, it's great if, if people you know can make a connection for us with one of those you know excellent lawyers uh, or even paralegals or even a, whether it's you know a clerical person you know hiring somebody based on a recommendation from a known trusted resource is far better than an ad on LinkedIn um, and then vetting people it's a little trickier um, you know most people obviously you're interviewing you want to hire uh, it's being done confidentially uh, so. It's a little tougher that way, but it is good to be able to at least know that there it's someone who's in your world that if they were in your world and had a bad reputation, you might find out about it. Right. Yeah. I'm curious early on when you left Sidley and started Barton, how much did you think about actively recruiting people and keeping that in the back of your mind in terms of people you were meeting? Was that something that you thought about or was it no. secondary? It really only came to my mind, I would say, eight to 10 years ago. You know, in the beginning stages, it was just, you know, get business, meet clients. You know, it was all about getting the business and then hiring people to service the business. And it was a pivotal point around 2011 or so, even a couple of years before that, when I, we were doing fine, but I would look at the firm and say, you know, how do you add another million dollars of business? And it, it's a, that's a heavy lift. You know, if you're just doing it all yourself from your own resources and your own contacts and the light bulb just went on and said, look, you know, if I can bring in a lawyer or two who has significant business and they've got a practice area that's attractive and they are excellent at what they do, uh, you start to, you know, have a different profile. You know, you've got a practice area, which maybe you didn't have before. Um, you've got a whole circle of contacts that you didn't have before. You've got clients that you didn't have before. You can cross sell into those. Um, so that, you know, I came later to it than maybe I should have. I certainly, I came to it much earlier than most firms uh, because this concept of lateral partner recruiting, as Carol knows, it's really only the last seven, eight years. I mean, there were firms who are now out there very actively recruiting lateral lawyers who five years ago we're very proud of the fact that they never made a lateral partner hire. Right. They grew them from the ground up. But, but what I think is interesting is, is um, I knew Roger in his first iteration of his firm, 
and it was Roger plus worker bees to do Roger's business. And so they were a different kind of lawyer, a, a different level of lawyer than you're looking for now, wouldn't you say? Oh yeah, everyone has to be smarter than me. Yeah, it's it's definitely, I mean, you're, you're hiring associates, you're hiring you know people to execute on the work. Now, that's a secondary focus really. Uh, and not that those folks aren't important because they're critical, but in terms of recruiting, primary focus is on the, the partners who have significant business and who have a great reputation and, and high level of expertise. I, I like that you don't use the word lateral because lateral implies a person who has a self-contained silo business. And I know that's not the, the, um, the culture of your firm. So lateral is not the word you would want to use because you don't want those people. They have silos. If you don't pay what they want, you don't. They, they go to the next place with their silo. Uh, absolutely. There's, um, if, you, if you can't sleep at night, I, I wrote an article about a year ago, and then we were just asked to do this part two of it um, for Thomson Reuters, and it's all about lateral hiring. And statistically, these articles show how, you know, it's like pieces on the chessboard that just keep, or checkers, they keep moving around and around and around. It's, you know, Amlaw firm A hires a group of lawyers from Amlaw firm B, and then, you know, years later, they're all cycling through to the next. That doesn't change the game. Um, what we're looking for is somebody who really understands the business of law, understands the practice of law, understands the model that we have, which creates a lot of innovation and ability to be nimble, and yet requires high level of sophistication and expertise, then the value that that can be you know, achieved through that, we can drive that to their clients. Um, those are the folks we want. That's not, that's again, that's not a lateral hire. That's a forward mover. Exactly. You want to ask questions, Mike? I do. I have two different questions. They're sort of related but separate tracks. You know, as the managing partner, you're bringing people in who are those forward movers. Are you also looking at the associates that have potential and training them how to do this work, how to become those forward movers internal to the firm? Absolutely. Every associate we hire, whether they're very junior or mid-level or senior, it's with the expectation that they will be a partner. And you know, to be a partner in our firm, and in many firms actually, you know, you get fired when you become a partner. You know, you're on a salary, you get a bonus, you, know, you don't think your life is comfortable, but your life is comfortable. <laughs> um, you know, as soon as you become a partner, it's like, you know, okay, you know, it's, it's like the pie eating contest. You get more pie, but uh, <laughs> as a winner, but you are then, you know, thrust into the world of you need to be not only self-sufficient, but you need to be able to care and feed others. You can't just, one, that's, that's a certain type of person, I think, innately. Two, you, can, you can't just say, okay, you've nine years have passed, now you're in this category. So you've got to train these folks up. And we, we do a host of things. And we have, a young, we have an associates group, and we have two, two partner mentors uh, who meet with them regularly as, as a group. Uh, we have, once a month, we do a firm lunch with everybody from partners to our receptionists are in the lunch. Um, we have a huge room. It's always crowded. It's fun. And we have a partner present on their practice at each of those lunches. And that partner talks for about 30 minutes. It's not a you know, cursory review. It's a deep dive into you know, what is their practice? How do they get clients? What do they do for those clients? Who are good referral sources? 
So it's, it's an internal networking meeting, if you will, but the associates are there front and center to see that this is how it's done. And we'll take associates to events. You know, there's a number, number of different ways. Um, and we also, we compensate associates if they're able to bring in business. And it's not an insignificant amount. So somebody is not internally motivated when I think everyone is anyway, but once they get a little taste of, wow, this is, this is kind of cool. You know, there's a direct reward to this effort. It can become intoxicating. So Carol, I know you were gonna ask about metrics. Yes. Um, I was wondering if we could lead into that, following up on what Roger just said. You know, you're building this sort of internal networking. Are you doing that in a more formal or technical way in terms of uh, using a, uh, some kind of client management system to track networks between partners? And you, know, you mentioned cross-selling. Are you working to actively cross-sell and build those kind of network relationships inside the firm? We don't use a lot of data. We're not, we're not using Salesforce and you know, all of that kind of stuff. That probably just reflects my aversion to math. But, you know, internally, you know, I should say a few different things. We have an internal marketing staff. We obviously have lists that we use for um, materials that go out. We do a monthly newsletter. We do a quarterly sort of literary magazine. It's kind of cool, much different than any other law firm has ever done. We have events. We send out uh, client alerts that are, you know, targeted to different practice areas, different industries. So, you know, the, all that kind of stuff that I think many firms do. Internally, you know, we have a compensation system that rewards cross-selling. It can be a major portion of, of somebody's compensation if they are able to refer a client internally to someone else. And, you know, that's, again, you need to be internally motivated. You know, it's like going on a diet. You're not going to lose weight until you really decide you want to. You're not going to become a great cross refer unless you know you just really want to the the reward of compensation is not going to do it for you necessarily but again it's a measure right and partners get reports every month of how much money they earn based on what they've done in that regard so you don't come to our firm that's i think the threshold issue you won't you will not come to our firm because you will not like our compensation system if you are not a good cross refer of business that's great, um, and, that, and that is so innovative, and it, it makes the entire culture one of friendship instead of competition. So it's, it's, it's what people like me have been trying to sell the firms for 25 years. Yeah. So. We have, uh, I have five former managing partners in our firm, which is really? kind of interesting, yeah. Wow. And one of them, about a month or two ago, we, were on a, we do department calls now that we're in the remote world, and he just, sort of stopped the meeting mid, mid meeting and said, you know, I just really love being at this firm because I'm using for my clients, five or six different partners, you know, from employment to real estate, bankruptcy, litigation, so forth to service. You know, he's got one particular client that's been extremely active during this, this time period. And he says, this is great. This is a great system. That's uh, great. But yeah. that's, you know, that's what you want. But back again to networking, if you don't mind, do you keep any network metrics on that? I remember that we were talking um, years ago about referrals and, and the role of referrals in networking and about the importance of tracking referrals. Do you still do that? Loosely. There's some organizations we belong to that cost a lot of money 
So, you know, that kind of forces you to track the business you're getting. And I just intuitively can say that, you know, we get multiples of that. I don't know what the exact number is, but I know we get multiples of it. And then I think, you know, there's the less formal, you know, who's, who's on your top 20, you know, when, when you're thinking, okay, I, I haven't had, you know, I got to get my button gear go, let's go do some networking. Let's have some lunches. Let's do whatever, you know, you know, who are your sort of top 20 that you're going to call and say, let's go, let's have lunch together. So it's, it's more of that type of thing than spreadsheets and color coding and so forth. So what's your take on referrals? I know that being a rainmaker, a lot of people are looking to you for referrals and of course you use them. So how, how do you um, fit them, see them in the networking world? I think that, you know, there's a natural um, synergy among certain people and certain types of people. Um, and I think, you know, the thing I focus more on is the takers, you know, it, drives me nuts of someone who just wants to meet with me to see, you know, will our firm hire them for something? And they come to that meeting, you know, with that agenda, very clearly worn on their sleeve, uh, without any interest in what else are we doing? Uh, I don't need them to say, how can I help you? But, you know, let's get to know each other. Let's see how we can work together as opposed to you selling to me. So that, you know, is, is sort of how I come at it. I just, going back to, you know, who's your influential friends kind of thing. If you're meeting with those people and you're interacting with those people, hopefully one, it's enjoyable. Um, I think that's really, really important because you got to be genuine and you have to enjoy the interaction and things will come from it. Um, and if they don't, maybe you just made a nice friend. Right. So I think that people like you and other um, rainmakers who are good at referrals it's kind of a natural inclination to see a point in the conversation that says, do you know Charlie, right? Right. And that's the referral. That's a very casual kind of thing. Right. And, and more often than not, you know, what I'm doing, because you know, if you think about it, how often can I refer business to somebody? Not, not all the time. It, it may not be what they do. It may not be the right, you know, fit, whatever it is but I can introduce them to somebody who they might like to meet or I can invite them to something that they might like to attend. And so, you know, yeah, I take an accounting firm, you know, I, I'm not always in a position to recommend an accountant. And, and of course we know hundreds of them. And so not every one of them is going to be the right fit for a particular client, but I can bring that accountant to an interesting event. I can introduce that accountant to a, you know, banker friend of mine. I can, you know, do a number of things that provides that person with value uh, apart from just giving them a piece of bread. Right. So, right. Referral needs to be thought of in the broader sense than end, end user kind of thing. I think it's value. What value, you know, how do you, how do you define value? Is value only defined as I just want a piece of work? Then yeah. that's probably not the person I want to interact with anyway. You know, there's, I don't want to malign certain industries, but there's, there's, you know, some folks that just go out there looking for the order, you know, if yeah. I didn't get an order, you're not worth anything to me. That's a, it's a horrible way to, to live. Right. Exactly. So let me ask you a final one and then turn it back to Mike, which is how do you define networking success for yourself? I think it's making a relationship that has some value and value can be, you know, a value for, from personal satisfaction, just, 
you know, getting to know someone who becomes a friend. Uh, value can be a resource that you're able to bring to your organization or to your, your clients. Um, and value, of course, can be somebody who refers some work to you. Okay. Back That's to you. I do have two questions. The first one, you talked about the evolution of your networking. As you learned how to network and as you learned how to evolve your networking, what degree that was simply learning by experience, if you had any training that was useful, uh, or the role that uh, consultants like Carol played in helping you to be more effective in your networking? All of the above. <laughs> <laughs> You think he's going to insult me right in front of it? Roger's too smooth for that. <laughs> it's it's all the above. I mean, yeah, networking can take over your life, you know, if you yeah. let it. And you know, there's a lot of people who think not not anymore. You know, not putting on a suit and tie, but you know, you, you dress up, you go to an event, you attend the event, you worked that day, um, you achieved something that day. And the answer is maybe, but probably not. If you didn't meet the right people, if, you didn't, if you're not prepared to follow up, if you don't leverage it, then all you did was go somewhere and have you know, coffee and a muffin and you know, incur some dry cleaning expense. You gotta learn you know, how to avoid that or how to make best use of those opportunities. So that's, you know, it's a, that a lot of that is learning. People like Carol are, are crucial in terms of you know helping you to get value out of those opportunities and then i think people like carol as well are, are very helpful in showing you that not every one of those opportunities is going to be worthwhile and you got to move on do something different you know it's there's a phrase of death by coffee you know you'll meet <laughs> whoever at these you know events and they want to have a coffee with you afterwards and again and again and again and you know it, it, it's not a relationship that fits. And so you, at some point you gotta say, look, I just, I don't, I don't have time for this. And it's a little bit difficult because you know, you, you're dealing with people and, and they're, you know, you, you, it's hard to say to somebody, you don't have value to me because everybody should have has value. But in that context, it's just not, you know, the time that you need to spend during your working hours to move your business forward. That's why my book starts with the word strategic strategic because you know that if you're someplace like the BAB, nine times out of 10, the person is certainly going to be worth getting to know hmm. and be a friend if, if even if you don't work together. That's so right. the choice of the group in a way helps you to winnow it down. You had another question, Mike. Well, I was actually going to end with your final question. And you were going to ask what advice Roger might give someone who wants oh, yes. to be a rainmaker, who wants to use networking this way. I was wondering if you could maybe think of three key pieces of advice you might give to someone looking to more effectively network. Sure. I guess the first thing I would tell them is it's part of your job and you have to specifically carve out time and be accountable to yourself um, to make sure you're doing it on a regular basis and doing it enough and also not doing it too much. So it may be as simple as saying, you know, I'm going to join one group and I'm gonna work it hard for six months and I'm gonna follow up with the people who I think need to be followed up with. I'll devote, you know, three hours a week of, of doing that 
and six months later evaluate you know what's working what's not working and i think you know that will help people to evolve into you know this this is a good thing this is not a good thing and you know you have to measure it you know whether you're doing it with a spreadsheet or just you know intuitively you do have to measure the results i think the other thing is you've got to join something where you are going to be comfortable and excited to be there so much of life is just about being genuine right and if you can't do that because you joined you know if i were to join you know the, the scientist group or something like that I, i'd be totally lost i wouldn't be able to speak to any of those people um you got to join something where you're going to be in your comfort zone at least in terms of subject matter you may not be comfortable as a networker that comes over time but you know do something that's it's, that you enjoy and you're going to be able to be genuine and where you can contribute to the conversation so you're not just sitting there right right uh that was fantastic carol thank you for being my first guest host on the legal marketing studio podcast you're welcome and, and thank roger. you roger sure fabulous as always pleasure. Ah, you make it easy it was wonderful to have you both. So both thank, thank you to both of you. I really appreciate having you both on. Uh, this was a wonderful and hopefully valuable conversation for, for the audience. And speaking of which, thank you to our listeners who've joined us for this episode. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast. The Legal Marketing Studio can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. Wherever you find us, please leave a like or a review. Extended content, including photographs and links, can be found on our website, legalmarketing.studio. Note that there is no .com, it is just legalmarketing.studio. The Legal Marketing Studio is a production of Picture More Business, a full-service corporate photography studio focused on the legal industry based in Brooklyn, New York, and working with clients nationally. We'd love to explore collaborative opportunities. More information can be found at picturemorebusiness.com. That's all for this episode. Thanks so much for listening.